It's time for Cofield and Company's legal insider, Justin Watkins, on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Yep, welcome in uh, Reno here on a Wednesday. ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. Adam Hill is here. It's Cofield back in the Finley Toyota Studios. It is Damon. We're at the Battleborn Broadcast Center, and Justin Watkins is here with us. Lots to get to. A lot of legal stories to get to. A lot of crazy stuff going on around the National Football League. Some crazy local stories. What's going on? Oh, man, I'm just sitting on pins and needles hoping that somehow Oregon State doesn't get left holding the Pac-12 bag, you know? I'm just... (laughs) I've been following those stories, like, every minute on social media, seeing what the latest update is, because... If there's going to be anybody who gets screwed out of that whole conference realignment, it's going to be Wazoo and Oregon State, and I, you know, I just hope that doesn't happen. Those are the anchors of the new Mountain Pacific. Oh, well, you said you said a few weeks ago that that's this wouldn't be a terrible thing. I mean, a loss of you know potentially getting thirty plus million dollars, which would probably go down to somewhere in the whatever twelve mil a year, something like that. That is a big deal, but wouldn't it put Oregon State more in line with what the schools, not goals? but kind of on a more level competitive field versus trying to always punch up? Or do you like punching up and having the money? I like punching up and having the money. And um, and I would say this, we're only punching up on, I'll say one and a half fronts right now. Basketball is terrible. It's on the wrong course. We're, we're, we're not a good basketball school right now. Football, we're certainly on, trending in the right direction. Um, and we have, you know, an alumni as the coach now. So there's reason to think that there's longevity to Jonathan Smith uh, at Oregon State and what he's been able to do. I actually think, you know, we are right on the cusp of being in the top 12 for the playoff this year. I think we're I think we're right there. Um, and so all the other sports, I don't really think we're punching up. I mean, I know the Olympic sports is not revenue generating sports, but we get national championships in baseball. We are ranked in the top 10 every year. Our soccer programs ranked in the top three every year. Our gymnastics programs ranked in the top 10 every year. Volleyball is ranked softball's top 10, top 15. So the, the, the Olympic sports were certainly competitive in, um, you know, the two revenue generating sports have been a problem over the course of the last, I'll say 30 years with football having, I'll say of, over the course of the last 30 years, having, five seasons that were good and competitive. Um, but last season was encouraging. And this year I expect better than what we did last year, 10 and three last year. Uh, I expect better than that this year. Uh, Adam called it out a couple of weeks ago when he saw, uh, saw George Klyavkov Friday. I think it was like two Fridays ago, Pac-12 media day. And he was like, yeah, this is, this. there's not, I'm not confident. I'm not confident. I don't like what he's saying. He's saying he's not worried. Are you in the same position as Klyavkov just set up the entire conference with worries? Oh, I mean, I think this was a, a cascading of mistakes that date all the way back to Larry Scott and and keeping Larry Scott. I mean, what was it, 12 years ago that Oklahoma and Texas wanted to come to the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 scoffed at them and basically said, you, you know, academically, you're not there. We're not going to take you. Um, and, you know, others, if, if we take Oklahoma and Texas, go to 14, any other two teams – maybe not in the Big Ten or SEC, would have jumped along. It would have been happy to get that invite. So we would have been a Pac-16, been very comfortable there. Uh, you know, and I, I have tons of nostalgia for the Pac-12 and Pac-10. And so it just it just sucks from a football perspective that we won't have that or may not have that um, moving forward. And then on, on top of it all, and, and 
part of this is completely biased because my team's going to be one left out of the, all of this realignment, but it's just a little bit. The, the amount of realignment that's happening across the landscape of college football is just a little disheartening. I, I, I think it's going to ruin some of the, the rivalry, the history and all of that. I mean, I know we've been trending that direction for a while now, but it just feels like this year is, is kind of a, a death knell of it all. You are you are a government guy, Justin. Uh, does the Oregon legislature have the power to save this? They, they kind of save they them could. a little bit. Is they that could. is that the last hope for the Pac-12? I think they could, but but I think to save the Pac-12, I don't I don't think so. Well, if they keep Oregon, they can save it. Well, you're no, saying, no, no, but, no. but let's let's. They're not going to do that. We jumped ahead of here. You're talking about the legislature in Oregon saying Oregon and Oregon State are a package deal. They have to stick together. Yeah, that you you Big Ten cannot take Oregon if you don't take Oregon State. In which case, the Big Ten's like it will pass. Sorry, uh, and then, then Oregon, 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 and Oregon State have to stay. Which means Washington might end up having to stay because I don't I don't know that they'd want to abandon it without Oregon. It it's possible that if if they blocked Oregon from leaving. It could salvage enough of the Pac-12 to then expand and save whatever brand they still have left. I don't think that that's likely if the Arizona schools in Utah leave. If they go to the Big 12, then I, I don't even think the Oregon legislature, which is pretty <laughs> aggressive, uh, would step in and say that. I mean, I think that if there was a Pac-12 offer for both, versus just the Big Ten for Oregon, they might step in and say, no, you're both going to the Big 12 versus the, the – but I think the reality is is if Oregon had the Big Ten invite and Oregon State got a Big 12 invite, which isn't completely out of the question, um, then then I think, that, I think that the legislature will call that good. All right, glass half full. Um, with as aggressive as they are right now in Iowa – and with NCAA rules, maybe Iowa State won't be in the Big 12 anymore. Matt, you know, we're going to talk about the players who are betting, who are probably going to be prosecuted. You talk about a lack of institutional control. I like Matt Campbell, but he's a guy who puffs his chest out and talks pretty good trash about how significant his program is. What are you doing, bro? Where have you been? This quarterback and some of the other players, they're are they going to jail? Let's, let's explain the story. <laughs> it it sounds like you bet from the sideline, by the way. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah. Where's oh, and I we talked yeah. to the sideline reporter. Yeah. You never saw the quarterback with his phone. <laughs> it's, it's wild. It's so, a wild story. Okay, let's go back to the beginning of the story because it is crazy how there, there are several Iowa State athletes, football and wrestling, your sport, who I bet and bet a lot and bet while they were underage. Bet while they're underage. Well, I'm, I'm gonna until more facts come out, I'm gonna give the administration a bit of a pass here. Only because literally the crime they're being charged with is masking their identity while making right. bets. So, they open accounts in the name of their mother. Yes. And I'm sure that sounds like everybody on the team was like, hey, just open your mom's name. Like, yes. not everybody has that idea. Right. <laughs> and I, I just can't imagine that that was a hot topic of constant conversation as, like, administrators were around. So giving them a little bit of a pass until we find something out that, like, one of like the trainers was like, just open it in your mom's name. Yeah. Something like that. It had to have gone around somehow, but maybe it's just players talking. Right. By the way, do, can we say this doesn't work? Right. Uh, it sounds like, and I, I know a little bit more about this and I'll say, but it sounds like Calvin Ridley is, this is how he was caught too. He opened in his wife's name and thought that was fine. Yeah. 
it's, it's my wife's name. It's not mine. I'm good. I don't think they're going to go to jail, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if they went very aggressive with the punishment, maybe considering jail. I think it's unlikely just because we have to set the precedent. I mean, the, the wrestler had made like 12,000 bets or 1,200, 1,200 bets for, for upwards of $45,000 across the board. And then on top of it, like bet on three, Iowa State. It's like $3 a bet, though. That, 12, that was the other thing. bets for $45,000. No, no, no. But you win and you lose. You win, you lose. Right? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. But I, I mean, it sounded, I think the, wasn't the, the quarterback, it sounded like the quarterback was like less than $10 a bet. Yeah, it was a pretty low number. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. And by NCAA rules, could they just could these guys be banned from ever playing like all eligible? Oh, I think gone? Yeah. I think that's ten dollar bets. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't think you could work the math that way, though. I don't think the math works that way. Uh, you, you, we don't know how they're accounting for bets because if if they win the bet and they don't count that and they only count, I thought they were less. just counting money in play, like a slot machine. You're, you're yeah, right. right. We, we right, don't know. Right. But, so, it, but, it, but if you but if you won and lost half of your bets, then you're just operating at that same number the whole time. But I think they're counting it no matter if you win or lose. If you put the bet in play, that counts as you bet. So like it was like 366 bets for $2,700 total or something like that. There's no way. I, 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 I We'd have to get a clarification on how yeah, they're yeah. trying to report yeah. this. But there's no way they're doing this for $3 and $10 bets. Like I, I think they are. I don't think so. I don't think so. That's stupid. <laughs> Especially for the, for the amount that the wrestler had put in play but yeah okay i'm with yeah. you cofield let's get iowa state out of there and plug in another <laughs> state school put an oregon state in there and then and then they got a pacific time zone it sounds biased maybe a little bit as an arbitrator you would not i would certainly <laughs> do it <laughs> come on you want to throw it out there what do you think should happen here should uh should college athletes be allowed to bet i think they should because this for me it toes the line of we got to stop calling this amateurism these guys aren't amateurs. Pay these players. Because if not, what's the difference between them betting on this and an intramural game? I don't know. If it's just um, college well, athletes. I mean, they're underage, number one, so it's not even a legal bet from the first instance. And then two, they're literally betting on games that they're participating yeah. in. But then the Iowa kicker was betting the under in Iowa games, which, first of all, is just smart betting. Yeah, Exactly. Like that, that's good. He knows his team. That's, that's smart. It, it is, but that's game fixing at that point. That, yeah, no, but he was, he was the backup kicker. He wasn't. He wasn't. Kicking. <laughs> what, but what if he gets into a no, game? No, but I, I know. But I'm saying, like, it's not like he was like, I'm going to go miss this kick. So I'm going to bet the. Also, I'm going to in play the under because I'm going to go out there and miss this kick right now. I mean, it's very insider information too. You know, if, of you, course. if you know the game plan, you know how the other kickers performing in practice. You so, can't. Not insider it. information to bet Iowa games under. Everybody knows yeah, those yeah, games. But, but athletes can't bet on on right. their teams. No, no, of course um, not. How about this though? We've opened this whole Pandora's box. Most of us are in favor of, hey, you know, you're adults. You should know illegal, legal, and you should know. In the NFL, we're finding it out. You can't bet on sports. These are the rules. Read the freaking rules. I know there's some ambiguity, but for the college kids, we feel bad for them. Like, oh, how are they supposed to know? Or is it just like, hey, trial and error, man. You learn, and hopefully this will send a message to everyone else. You can't bet. You may lose your freaking college eligibility, period. You're done. Yeah. No, I don't feel bad for them under the circumstances. I think that they, again, they they knew at the very least that they could not open accounts themselves. They knew that, so they knew enough to to know that they were doing wrong. So I, no, I don't feel bad for them. And if they did lose their eligibility for a ten dollar bet, <laughs> all, all the more reason that they probably shouldn't have been college students in the first place. 
Justin Watkins, our legal insider, former public servant. Adam Hill is here, Battleborn Broadcast Center. Uh, let's flip to a Vegas story. Did you see the video of Cardi B uh, playing? What pool was that? Playing at a pool? It was Drake's. Drake's. Um, and all of a sudden, objects are being thrown, and now people are mad at her. Yeah. Yeah. I I get it. You know, you're at a pool party, and the DJ's literally chanting to get her wet. And so somebody well, I mean, throws some double uh, entendre there. I don't think anyone sure. actually can really do that from below the stage. But did that mean throw water on her? Could have been. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you're at. I think it's. I think it's crazy to think like you're going to go perform at a pool party and that like you're going to stay 100% dry all the time. You know. Uh, now, from Cardi B's perspective, does it feel like threatening or assault, or are you worried about your physical safety? when you get water or alcohol thrown on you, you know what? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that answer. I I've never been on stage. I've never performed, but I've been to a lot of concerts and <laughs> it looks like that kind of stuff is normal. Yeah. I don't know about normal. I was trying to find a word a little bit less than normal, but it's, it's frequent enough to expect that those types of things are going to happen. Well, it's, ha it's happening time. often now, and, yeah, and more yeah. dangerous objects are being thrown at the artist, and you wonder what sort of protection has to be put in place. Does it need to be a giant piece of plexiglass? Or I'll make a reference to, I was watching Live Aid, right? It just got went down a rabbit hole last night, and with that giant crowd, there was a big gap between the crowd and the stage. Maybe we've gotten too close with the singers, the performers, and, and the crowd. I mean, I guess it's up to the performers, right? I mean... A lot of the concerts I went to, it was the performers who were starting that kind of behavior, right? They were the ones who roughhoused in the first place. So who created this concert culture, the crowds or the artists? I would I would be willing to hear an argument about the artists. We'll get to the Damon Arnett case on the way back. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins. Only on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, getting right back into it. Uh, we had a case settled, plea agreement. Damon Arnett, who's got you know quite the track record dealing with the uh, law enforcement world, he had gotten into a fracas of sorts at Park MGM, the former Raider cornerback. The argument was over how threatening he was with the gun, because apparently he he flashed a gun in some form or fashion at a valet at Park MGM. So what happened here? Because I guess he walked with what uh, pled to a misdemeanor, uh, community service, very light, and a $2,000 fine. Yeah, basically the, the difference in this between a felony and a misdemeanor came down to what exactly frankly, whether he pointed the gun at the valet or not. And if he did point the gun at the valet, was the valet looking at him to see the threat? There was, I'll say, conflicting evidence out there as to whether or not that was the case, which is kind of funny because they had video. The police reviewed the video, but the video was, ne was never presented as evidence. Just the police officer's testimony as to what he saw on the video but in any case what the police officer testified to seeing on the video was that there was a uh that the gun was removed from the car from the side door a motion was made like a racking motion like you know putting a bullet into the chamber 
Um, but it was unclear from the video whether or not the valet was even paying attention to Arnett anymore or not, was kind of maybe walking off. And so you you can't commit assault to somebody when they're not looking. Right. A, a, assault by its very nature requires the apprehension and fear of significant bodily harm. So if I pull a gun out, you're facing out the window and I put it to the back of your head, I don't touch you, you don't know it exists, and then I put it back in my pocket, I have not committed assault. Now, if I were to touch you with it and you were otherwise somehow aware of it, that would change that. So ultimately, long story short, when you point a deadly weapon at somebody, then that's going to be felony assault. When you commit assault through words or actions that leave somebody with the perception that you are going to inflict serious bodily harm on them, and you brandish or have with you a deadly weapon that's going to fall to a misdemeanor so i mean oh here we go <laughs> it just there's just there's so many things with him uh at some point does this all add up to some of these other charges that keep coming up against them that they keep using this or is it just looked at as hey he got kind of got out of it so it doesn't really matter well, I mean, I think it's certainly going to matter if, if and when he tries to make his comeback into the NFL. I mean, I know he's got some sort of futures deal with the Chiefs. Um, you know, that now we got two gun incidences, right? This is this is the second incident now with the gun actually maybe being used um, to threaten somebody versus the prior incident, which was just um, posting a video. Or no, I'm sorry, he was he threatened with the gun, and that's instance in the too. Video, it was yeah. on the video, yeah. yeah. So in both instances, he's threatening with a gun. And so I would think, number one, if the NFL was willing to consider reinstating him and and allowing him to play, that he would have a very short leash. And if there was another offense, that you wouldn't see a suspension in line with a first offender. You know, we're now in John Morant territory. We're, we're in, you know, this is now third offense. You're, you're, you're gone forever or for years or whatever so yeah i think the, i think the history will follow him now if there's another criminal action can these come into play right. yeah sure but if you lose your ticket you would say point a gun but don't point it at them point it when they're have their back to <laughs> if you, your if, recommendation if you, if you no I'm not, <laughs> that's not my recommendation knock it off <laughs> i'm just saying if you if you have this irresistible compulsion to point a gun at somebody do it when they're not looking Oh, good. That's good advice. Uh, also, um, how about if you lose your ticket, just calmly talk it out. Right. Well, they asked for ID, and then that's when he popped off. Like, yeah. do you want us to just give your car to anyone who walks out? Yeah. Like, that's a reasonable request. You don't have the ticket. But show the, me ID. But then the weird part is, is he didn't show him the ID, but he was willing to dig through the trash to find the ticket. They found the ticket. In the I, I that When I read that, I so don't believe that's, a, that's what happened. But anyway, I guess what they said in the court of law. Yeah, they all started digging. He just so he left the car and just threw the ticket in the garbage. Who does that? I don't know. That should be a felony charge right there. <laughs> people who think <laughs> they're, they're above, yeah. People think they're above tickets and rules. Right, exactly. Like, oh, they'll they'll give me my car and just, just like I'll rent a car and just crash it. And you know, just generically, I'm just saying this about anyone. I'll just crash it, and who cares? They'll take care of it at some point down the road, and I'll do it nine times. Tragic story to to cover um, involving a recliner. So you want to tell the audience about this? This is crazy. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's it's obviously a, a horrible situation where a uh, there was two children. Uh, it sounds like 
the parents were not there. One was gone. One was in another room. And one of them opened a recliner that's a mechanical recliner. I guess a, a electronic, electronic, yeah. electronic and mechanical uh, open and closing device. And they opened it. The younger child, I think it was nine months old, crawled in. And then the uh, older one, which I think is three years old, closed it with the, with the button. And it, there was nothing to stop it, nothing to slow it down. It just closed on the child and you know tragically passed away. It wasn't right away, but down, uh, I think it was brain dead. And then they eventually uh, lost their child. So obviously a horrible situation. The lawsuit has been filed. I guess there were salesmen mentioned in the lawsuit, which I don't really understand. But uh, also the manufacturer and the, the store, I guess you have to find out who was at fault and go down the line here. Yeah, I mean, first thing I'll mention is that the family uh, retained Brett Carter. He's a he's a great attorney. Uh, I have a lot of respect for Brett. Um, a good trial attorney and and good at finding, uh, I think, finding the theories of liability that stick. So I'm ju- I'm just going to say based on who they've retained that them naming the sales associate, there's a reason behind it. Um, now. There could be strategic reasons. I, I don't know this, but if Af, if Ashley Furniture is a corporation from out of state and the sales associate is a resident of the state, then you would want to name both because then Ashley cannot remove it to federal court because mm-hmm. you could only remove to federal court if you and the other party, the only parties, are diverse as to your state residency. But everybody has to be diverse so if naming the sales associate as a nevada resident and the plaintiff is a nevada resident now it stays in state court so it could just be that simple it could be that there were specific representations made about the functionality of the furniture and the device and how it worked um you know we were talking off air of like you know could that possibly be a suit and I think what will happen in this is you'll see an expert come in and talk about the very affordable, cheap safety protocols that could have been put into place, such as any resistance placed whatsoever on that uh, leg, uh, the reclining portion coming back down, that it would stop and go kind of like your your garage uh, door, your gr- exact garage, garage door is an excellent example or or the lift gates on like hatchbacks and stuff. You put a little resistance on it, it stops. So, uh, or alternatively, there's nothing that says that underneath the recliner needs to be open. You could literally have a a plate and some do. Some of the nicer ones actually have like wood or metal there. So when the recline, the foot recliner comes back down or goes, I'm sorry, goes up, there's still something you can't crawl in and under it. Um, So I think you'll see some things like that about the safest designs that were available um, probably something along the lines of showing some maybe other Ashley Furniture products that have these sort of devices or these safety protocols or or what have you, and that they just, you know, for the cheaper versions, weren't willing to put it together. Um, but it's a super tragic case, uh, and and I suspect it will be going on for quite some time. The uh, When you mentioned naming somebody that's local as yep. part of the suit, it sounds like the the sales associate moved out of state would that matter or is it where they lived at the time that's a good question um so it, it can matter for venue as to where they are but from a, a jurisdictional standpoint you know it's going to be at the times relevant to the action so um you know at the times relevant to the action 
they were a resident of the state of Nevada. That's what they're going to plead. Now, if they move out, they're going to say, well, I'm no longer a resident of Nevada, and therefore this is a diverse action and we should remove to federal court. That's all considerations for the court to, to make. Justin Watkins with us here from Battleborn Injury Lawyers. It's his house, the studio, Battleborn Broadcast Center. You can give the, the guys and uh, all the fine ladies here at Battleborn Injury Lawyers a call, 766-1400 from anywhere in the state of Nevada. Got to dial 775 in the north. Uh, let's start here, and if we don't finish, we'll take it to the other side. Is there a class action lawsuit against Taco Bell on not delivering what is pictured in a couple of their staple items? <laughs> there this, is. this is interesting. This caught my attention. So what's happening here? Well, that, I, I love the way that they put this out there on social media, you know, because everybody hears about class actions like, oh, Taco Bell's not delivering the meat that they promise in their advertisements. And everybody kind of, I'm sure, like me, rolls their eyes and like, it's Taco Bell, right? Like, Relax. come on. Yeah, 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 let it go. You know what you're paying for. Yeah, exactly. But, but they put the <laughs> side by sides. They put the advertisement picture by like the real picture. Uh, and it was so devastatingly <laughs> like, I was like, where is the meat at all? Like, not, not only is it not anywhere close to the picture, but it's like, I don't even think there's meat in that thing. It, it looks like a quesadilla, not like this crunch wrap supreme with all this extra meat. So, you know what, frankly, I know people look down on these, like these, what are seen as like silly class action suits, but these are the only way that you get the, the sort of change of behavior. The one I would love to see more than anything is a class action against like the, um, like snack companies that have a box that's you know a foot high yeah. and then inside is about three inches high of of the snack it's all air it's yeah like what what is this cereal seems to be a little bit better at it but the snacks are awful at it, it drives me crazy uh, coming up fantasy football drafts on the way what are we going to do with jonathan taylor so i just wanted to follow up on the taco bell lawsuit you know, saying, hey, where's the meat, right? Where's the beef, the uh, lady from Wendy's? Um, I do think we've seen improvements in some fast food companies. I don't know if there's a correlation, but you know one of the original cases or the biggest cases was this. Remember, uh, Subway's been hit by, hey, that's fake bread. Hey, that's not real tuna. Did you notice now they're making the sandwich artist, and you probably would have been good at this, uh, they're making them slice the meat instead yeah. of having you know meat in a pack, which I think is an improvement. Um, I don't know if it's a workplace. It's what all the getting kids on slicers, but it's what all the good sandwich places do. Yeah, it is what they do. I mean, it, you, maybe because oh, it's been challenged so many times. It's like, hey, you know, let's up our game a little bit. Yeah, no, it, it, that's what I was going to say. It produces change. Yeah. It, it, you know what? And I never go to Subway. Subway is just not my sandwich shop. But I was I was stuck in a position where I ended up at Subway not no, it was like two weeks ago. And give him, give him a good pop. We're working <clears> on a deal with him. I saw yeah, like a one hundred percent whole grain wheat bread all right. option, all right. and so right. I mean the uh, the Irish got all over him for the fake yeah. bread and took him to court. Yeah. Okay, we got uh, fantasy football drafts coming up. Adam, have you done any already? I've been doing them all summer, but I mean not okay. not any of my like big ones I care about. I do a lot to get ready. Auction league. We play in a auction league with a two sixty budget. Auction leagues in general. How much is Jonathan Taylor's value deflated for you? Um, I'm I'm, I'm just going to tell you guys my strategy. This year I'm going oppo. Nobody believes you. I'm going oppo. You're going to try to draft all running backs. All running backs. Okay. I'm going all running backs this year. So I, I'm I'm willing to take the bet on on Taylor. I'm I'm going with him. I say I say he's in the 60s. Let's see how different. I'm trying to. 
I'll, I'm trying to be careful how I phrase this. Let's see how different the reactions are of people who have known his agent for a long time and are just learning about him right now. Because I'm out. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. Yesterday we had on uh, Kevin Bowen, who does a morning show and is a reporter covering the Colts in Indy. And I described, I, I have to I have to go back and give you the exact words, but I described Malky Kawa, who's been a longtime MMA agent, as uh, petulant and childish and a buffoon. And he paused for a second and he's like, it's about what I've seen so far. <laughs> yeah. That the whole action between this agent and then Ursa is willing to get down in the muck because I think he's, you know, his mind, I don't know where he is half the time. It's crazy Uncle Jim. That's, yeah. that's, that's how yeah. I heard him refer like, to These it. guys are a perfect match. And then caught in between is Jonathan Taylor, who I don't, I don't know what he's going to do. Uh, but I will tell you, in in our league, in that 260 league, the highest paid running backs or highest the salary running backs are usually what about seventy to ninety five dollars. Right. You ain't getting them for sixty. I think eh. his value's down a little bit, but I think people will keep pushing it. Oh, I mean, if somebody wants to pay eighty five for him, then that's on them. I, I don't think I, I'm not willing to do that sort of risk. But I, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm a, I might I might put up. I I always pushed in all the chips for the wide receivers. When I first got in the league and everybody thought I was crazy and I had a couple good runs there for the first two or three years. In the last two or three years, you guys have all C blocked me all over the wide receivers. Yep. The whole league has, and I've gotten crushed and I've been terrible for the last three years. So I just got to change. Well, last year I tried to change up the strategy and go, you know, triple tight ends. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't work. Oh, it did God. not work. You had Waller, right? I had Waller. I, had, uh, I got one of them because I got, I got Kittle. I, <laughs> and Kittle wasn't a, he was a second half player. Yeah. Uh, so we paid big dollars for that. And then Kelsey went off. And of course, we didn't get Kelsey, right? Did you get Kelsey too? I think I had Kelsey. Okay, so I think I had Kelsey and Waller. Yeah. And then I had a third at some point that I was trying to flip into something. It was a disaster. This year, running backs. That's my team. I mean, I wish you luck. You know, they're running back people in the league. So I know, but they haven't been winning. So maybe they'll change. Let's we'll look at the history. I don't know if I've been winning or not. Generally, I'm kind of in the middle of the pack. I don't know what I'm going to do. I really, I'm, Adam, what's happened to Jonathan Taylor in straight drafts? Uh, I mean, it's only been a couple of days. I don't. I, you haven't really seen the. I haven't done one in the last. He's a first two rounder days. still, right? I would imagine he is. He I mean, I've, I haven't seen, like the ADP hasn't dipped that much because it's thousands and thousands compared to like you know the last 20, 30 drafts. But yeah, Justin, good job. Make sure you call the folks at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, and I'm asking you to do it. Call Justin 766-1400-775 in the north. Well, as uh, often happens, we need some extended time with Justin Watkins because we got into something uh, during the break that we wanted to mention. Hey, Damon, uh, you know, we haven't asked you yet because we haven't done a whole lot of fantasy football. I don't know if you know that Adam Hill does somewhere between 20 and 30 leagues and the rest of us play. But are you a fantasy football guy at all? Uh, I was in high school. Not so much anymore. I was in high school. Why'd you drop off? I, I don't want to get mad at players just for, you know, oh, that guy didn't give me enough rushing yards to win a fantasy game. I mean, if you guys invite me to one of your leagues, I'll join. But, well, I mean, it sounds like you'd be easy to beat, so yes. Oh, okay, don't, don't, let's not go there. Let's, <laughs> let's but, have but, more uh, bets. Let's do a Salerno <laughs> basketball bet, which is still one of my favorite bets of all time. We'll have to execute Hey, did you bring that up on the show with him today? No, I didn't bring up us playing basketball. You should have. No, you, I, I heard you guys mention the basketball challenge, and then – you mentioned something about oh you were the captain of your high school team. Oh yeah, well, and yeah. he got he got all freaked out. He's like oh it was a ringer. Like bro, oh, you that's said right, last yeah. week you could you, you could beat all of us on the show. So let's all play one on one, Big Greg. I, I definitely could beat him. It's not a question. Perump's finest I mean, over here. 
everyone everyone has that mentality i feel like you being a captain is like you're just kind of like the inspirational leader no i was the best <laughs> of, <laughs> i was the best of the worst somebody had to be well uh, he gave you motivation because he called you too short to be good at basketball so we'll see about that one when we set up this challenge uh justin Watkins is here with us our legal insider voice of reason former public servant actually watching some tv shows we watch yeah. You're a very busy individual. That's good. You run a successful <laughs> legal firm, so you don't have the time that uh, maybe I do. We got you on Hard Knocks last year. Yeah. And your review of Hard Knocks in general was just I, so-so. Not as B, crazy as we go. B, B, okay. B minus. Adam and I are like A plus, 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 plus. For Hard show. Knocks? We love we love every season okay. of the show. All right. B, I'll, I'll give it a B. Well, you know what happens. And I'll warn the audience now. I start watching and I'm like, I want that to be the workplace. And I've said that for like, yeah. you know, whatever, 15 straight years that I've been on uh, ESPN Las Vegas. I love the direct nature of coaching in football. Okay. And I wish the workplace was like that. So we didn't have to be delicate and, you know, play with kid gloves. Uh, Netflix is now getting in the reality game. And they did the show Quarterback. I've watched it. I was really jacked up, especially with episode one. I'm like, all right, that gets me ready for football. But as I've watched it more, I have faded. Mm. And I think you really like it. I know Adam, you got through it, right, Adam? Oh, yeah. You loved it? Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I give it a A minus. And you know what's funny is, like, I watched the first episode. I just had it on. My wife was, like, cooking dinner and walking around. And then she's, like, could hear it. It's like, wait, what's this about? Okay, well, who? Quarterback for who? All right. Where where did he go to college? She, all of a sudden, she was just like really drawn into it. And then the next day, I'd watched another episode. She's like, you watched that without me? I'm like, I, I didn't know you wanted to watch about the quarterback. And then when we were just on vacation, she was telling her sister, like, oh, yeah, I was watching the show, The Quarterback. You know, so Mahomes <laughs> getting all into it. So, I mean, just from that perspective alone, you got to recognize that the production value – for the quarterback and the storytelling behind it is a far superior than hard knocks, which I watched plenty of times around my wife and she had zero interest in whatever was going on. So, uh, and I just, I just think it's, it's produced really well. I think they do a good job with the backstories. I thought Mariota was a little flat on, on the personality to the camera. Uh, but I thought Mahomes and cousins both, you know, were pretty authentic and I thought they were um, charismatic enough to carry the show. Um, Mariota was just a little flat and that's not because he was an Oregon duck. I, I actually liked Mariota. <laughs> I might disagree with your Kirk Cousins. <laughs> you don't think he was authentic. You think he was, you think he was overplaying the, the Christian hand. I mean, I, maybe, but also I just, I didn't, I just didn't find him as to be like an intriguing character either. Oh man. I thought he was the most vulnerable about how these things impact. I mean, talking about like the, the therapy sessions he goes through, I think I thought he did the best of getting people into the mind of, I'll say like, um, an intelligent quarterback who probably slightly overthinks the game to his own detriment that makes him potentially uh, a little bit underperforming in clutch situations. And then you contrast that with Mahomes, who's just like 
dude, this is just what I do. Like he was just, he became, he's such a natural at it that he never overthinks himself. He never doubts himself. And I thought having somebody who's supremely confident and somebody who has some doubts about his abilities, those two characters, I just loved the, the, the sort of differences there as they played their way out. And they both had a great season. You know, but again, it, I, I thought I thought Cousins did a great job of letting us in. I like that angle. So let's build on that. How much do the wives have to do with adding to the confidence or lack of confidence? It is. I mean, relationships are very important. And I know Adam, Adam, actually, he said his image and opinion of Brittany Mahomes has bettered during the show. 100%. And, and, and he thinks that... Uh, well, I don't think you said Cousins is taken down by his wife. You do not like his wife. I don't like the whole family. I don't like his kids. <laughs> yeah. I, that's a joke. Look, just make sure. That's what we look yeah. for. It's a joke. Show. Yeah. I, I, sure. I don't know. No, that's fair game. That's fair game. We, we backed. Uh, who, was the, who was the radio guy who said, uh, didn't he say Brady's kid was a little poop or something? Was, we like, yeah. Wasn't it Minahane? Is that yes. He says everything. No, no. It was, it was something else. We, but, we can blame a lot on him. But 100% how about that angle like about, about the, fam, the family dynamic and and – you know, does, does your spouse need to be there to lift you up if you're like Kirk Cousins? You, you, you nailed it. Kirk Cousins does have some confidence issues. And he I mean, he, he gets shredded by people. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think his. I think his wife probably helps his confidence through. I, I mean, I'm, I'm judging on the show yeah. based on her being supportive of his faith structure which is his backbone for providing his confidence she's right there with him um i she can't I, watch the end of the game because she has I, to listen to her music i uh, yeah I, I don't know she she's not she wasn't the most charismatic character <laughs> no. there it, she she didn't really add anything to the show i don't think where it i think mahomes i, I agree with you 100 my opinion of her like went way up as a result of the show um and i think she does add to Patrick Mahomes' confidence. Really? I, I think so. I think so. I mean, because here's the thing. We just talked about how he's supremely confident, but he's also supremely superstitious, which, which creates a susceptibility for a failure of confidence. Those, those are not, those are two sides, two sides of the op, two opposite sides of the same coin. Like if you're supremely confident, I don't think superstition really comes into it all that much. Um, and so if you're really relying on these superstitions, like pretty detailed superstitions, then I think you have the potential to have a lack of confidence once those super, once you falter, um, and you don't have the superstitions to, to, to fall back on, but man, she is super supportive of his, but at the same time, I think keeps him in some real world check. I, I, I liked her on the show for sure. She was great on the show. Well, and my my point, and I know Steve's already heard it, but I'll, I'll tell you, is that I, I've always kind of hated her as almost like a hanger-on cheerleader type. Yep. And then when you learn about her athletic background and that she was the athlete yep. uh, that he was kind of chasing around, and she played professionally as an athlete, you understand that her craziness isn't really you know obnoxious driven it's competitive driven which totally yeah. changes how you see her which i thought was very important to the show yeah i i agree and i like the scene where she's at the soccer uh match and you know she's a part owner of the one of the teams and she was explaining to mahomes 
And it was it was very good because the whole show was talking about how showing how Mahomes is like friendly with everybody, even the competitors. And she was like, oh, yeah, there's no good play there. That's not what girls do. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. like they do not yeah. compliment each other. They do not play nice. They are cutthroat. And I, and I, I liked that angle. I liked I liked them going to that scene and showing her nat- her competitive nature that way. Credit to them for not putting Jackson on. Oh, 100%. <laughs> like he floated around towards the <laughs> yeah, end in yeah. and out of scenes and and thank thank goodness he wasn't a focal point. You guys aren't giving Mariota enough credit. I mean, Who? Marcus Mariota. He was on the show? He was on the show. I think okay. he filled out the road. You need that guy who halfway through the sh- halfway through the season just says, "Hey guys, cut the cameras." I think he, you need the guy every year that's just like, I just lost my job. I don't want to do this. He tried to be relatable a little bit with the sausage McMuffin. You know, he was like, hey, Egg McMuffin every Monday. Got to get it. I like McDonald's breakfast too. But I think that he provided something good on the show where I would like to see that every season. Maybe Let's say maybe Baker Mayfield this year of the guy on the show who just halfway through, he gets benched and then we never see him again. Yeah, no, they need they need a borderline guy who's going to lose his starting job. It's just that Mariota is so bland and so uninteresting. I don't even know how else to say it. He's just, like being around him a little bit. I, I think he's a really, really, really nice person. Yeah, you can he tell is that. Not a TV character. Yeah, you can tell he's super yeah. nice, and yeah. he appears to be like authentically nice. Yeah, but God, it's not entertaining to watch. Last two minutes, uh, Justin Watkins with us. Battleborn Injury Lawyers, make sure you give the uh, folks here at Battleborn a call at 766-1400 at a dial 775 in the north. Uh, this is going to be the only season, right? No one else is going to do this in the future. Who's going to do it? Why wouldn't you do There's it? like five people have turned it down already or teams that told them behind the scenes, you're not doing it. Why wouldn't you do it, though? I think it promotes your brand. I, I mean, I think it. I think it's been positive probably for all three what also helped i mean it helps that he won the super bowl so you can't be like ah it ruins your season yep uh you know it's too much of a distraction like the guy who was on won the super bowl yeah so it's not it's you know it's not like a bad luck thing or anything well and cousins had a crazy good season i mean he was you know he was having an mvp caliber type season so i mean arguably you had two of the top five quarterbacks for that year on the and show. and Demond's guy, Marcus Mario, <laughs> two MVP Dude, candidates. He had a DeMond's baby guy. on the way, man. He had a lot on his mind. <laughs> they all had babies on the way. Yeah, that's not an excuse. Yeah. They all did. Yeah. So Joe Burrow already said probably not going to do it. Well, he just they were asking him about because he was kind of prominently featured uh, from a villain aspect in in the Mahomes backstory. Um, because Mahomes was 0 for 3 against Burrow and the whole Burrow head and all that stuff for the playoffs. So he was sort of prominent, a a character in the show. And they asked him, you know, have you seen the show? And he's like, no, I don't want to watch a show about quarterbacks. Like, that's what I do all day. Like, (laughs) you want to watch a show about reporters? And all the reporters like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's He's wrong. He's wrong on that. I think think a lot of people in their particular craft uh, enjoy watching others try the same thing. Oh, how I'm, they work. I'm with Bur- Burroughs on this. I don't watch lawyer shows. Like, it doesn't interest me at all. I don't. What about yeah. Franklin and Bash? That was a no, good one. Did never watched it. That was really good. Suits. So, the, the closest. I, no, the closest I ever got was Boston Legal. It's funny. Okay. I like that one. I don't watch any of the lawyer shows. Though. By the way, I, just a side note. I just found a story uh, going into Demond's senior year where they still couldn't find a point guard, and they were worried about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you looked that up during the conversation. Yeah. 
team captain couldn't fill the roster. Devon Cotter is one of five returning starters. The team is still looking for a point guard at this point. <laughs> Bias journalism. <laughs> they got to create a story somehow, Adam. You know how it goes. What the hell? What, I think that what, came from the coach. Where were you, where were you playing? <laughs> were you playing? Was you playing shooting guard? <laughs> no, I think he was the point guard. He just wasn't. He oh, wasn't wow. good enough to be named the starter before the year. That's harsh. All right, we're out of here. He was the Mariota. Five o'clock hour. Thank you, Justin. We appreciate it. Uh, coming up. Kevin e. Martin will talk to uh, one of the folks at the Sporting Tribune.